<laughs> oh, oh, there's a dog in my lap. And that's how we're starting oh. today. <laughs> welcome, Our very welcome, thespians. special guest. Oh, a very special guest. He's got a reserved seat up front. He's got a box Aww. seat. Oh, I oh, hey yo! But don't bunch. That's beautiful. So Stealing that forever. I'm steal I'm, it. I'm, I'm Lillian Bustle. I'm Jen Ponton. Uh, and with us today on dreading the boards is the absolute, just like golden soul, Paco Lozano. Welcome, Aww. Paco. Hi. I'm gonna so hype you up for a minute. I um, love that golden soul. I've never gotten that before. Yeah, you're, gonna oh, you're gonna get land. you're gonna get hyped. Paco was born in Puerto Rico. His mother is Cuban. His dad is Mexican. He lived in Mexico as a child, and then California. By the time he was three, he fell in love with acting when he was thirteen, and he watched Winnie on the Wonder Years do Our Town, which is the yeah. cutest story I have ever heard in my life. Um. Paco, in the time that I have known him, has absolutely launched and soared, and he's had the opportunity to work with the best of the best. Meryl Streep, Kevin Klein, Morgan Freeman, Hamish Linklater, Juliana Margulies, Ice-T, Taya Leone, Dave Bautista, Pedro Pascal, Ed Burns. <laughs> I mean, it just, Aww. like the most incandescent people and um he has been working like a maniac ever since i first met him so paco welcome to dreading the boards Yay. thank you that is so sweet that's such a great intro and i have to say this it's really important that i say this i it's important for me I'm rewatching The Wonder Years, the entire thing, with my wife, Macon, mm-hmm. who, Jen, you know, I know you've met her before because we saw you. I, th- I know I saw you like three times, and she saw you, I think, at least once in How to Make Friends and Kill Them when we first yes, met you. Yes, I remember and that you guys showed up. That was incredible. And <laughs> Thank it's you. still, I think, on my top five ever of New York City shows. Oh, but, my God. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't ever watch shows twice. If I should see a show twice, it's in my top five or top seven or something. Oh, my God. But we're rewatching The Wonder Years. Uh, we're on the final season. Yes. And my wife is kind of in love with it. I, I don't generally speak for her, but we were the plan originally was to just watch a couple of episodes a season. And then she, like, started crying. Started getting, I'm like, oh, we can watch more. And now oh. we're basically watching, like, almost every episode. It's really awesome. Anyway. That's so great. I have to rewatch The Wonder Years. I loved that show so much. It's so good. Oh, Fred so Savage good. has been 50 for his entire life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, when I was in, uh, I was, I think I was in fifth grade, um, and our Girl Scouts changed to the night that Wonder Years was on, and I lost my mind. I almost like went wow. on a hunger strike, um, but but it was you know that's so great. It, it all worked out just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got the bug when you were thirteen. How how did you like present this to your parents, and how did you first start like trying out artistry? Well, I remember I remember like. I was sort of forced into recreating. I'm not here to talk against Catholicism, but I went to a Catholic school and I was forced into recreating the, the 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 three wise men thing on stage at church when I was like eight or nine years old in front of the whole congregation. I hated that. Mm. I didn't like that. Just wasn't fun for me for whatever reason. But at right. home, I have this vivid memory of we had a we had the. I don't know if y'all did video games growing up. We had 
like the Atari ripoff. It was called the Odyssey. Oh. Or it was just, yeah, and there was like a baseball game and you would hear the ump go, huh, for like strike or whatever. And I would stand up and imitate umps in baseball games like with the, the long point and <laughs> spread my, in the living room. And my parents actually thought that was really funny. So I loved like doing the ump thing like the ha. Huh. And it's funny. My, my son now does so many things like that. But I, but I, I remember, I think I was, I was 13 or 14 when that episode of The Wonder Years aired. And I was crying. So in the episode, Winnie plays the lead. And Kevin is like being a self-centered jerk the way his character is the whole series. But Come of course, on, he's, he's a totally relatable, for me, self-centered jerk. Who's a really cool kid, though, too. Because he sometimes admits it. And he's just like, what are you doing? We're all just doing this to get out of... Uh, third period, right? And I, I, I just literally remember that when he's words, Kevin, that's the most insensitive thing I've ever heard. Uh. And then he realizes that she's really serious about trying out for it. And then she gets the lead and she's a ball of nerves because her parents are split up during this time in the Wonder Years. And they, they come, the dad travels back from Chicago to come see her in the show. I'm already getting goosebumps. Let me get emotional. At the end of that episode, they get back together. Kevin is the spotlight uh. op. And she goes up on her lines in a very key moment. And then you hear Daniel Stern's voice. God, I'm getting goosebumps saying, and I knew I couldn't. I, I had to hold the light on her, and I couldn't let her down. And she kicks back in. She, she says her lines. And it's just this beautiful, mm. like many of those episodes. And I knew, I, I, I saw that episode, I that. and I was like, I want to I try out for a play. I just knew that. I want to try out. And I went to Tony Estoni. That's her name. She was this amazing woman who was the lead drama at Central Union High School in El Centro. And I asked my parents. My parents were fine with it. Um, and I wanted to try out for a play. And I tried out. And I, I got uh, the main role in, like, uh, one of the three plays. It was called Thank You for a Dream. It's one of those, like, pl shorter plays that's sort of written for high school kids to put on that has easy production values and good dialogue and I, I did mm -hmm. play a blind man in it at the time this is something that was just probably like all the time um, and I, I, that I actually had a, my first stage kiss was in my first play wow um, crazy crazy with what was Christy god I remember her name Christy and we've joked about it since on Facebook like decades later she was like oh my god but and it was like and I got the bug so hard because I for me the thing that was I loved rehearsing but like the intensity of the nerves mm. on opening night we had like three nights and then like the intensity of the nerves slightly kicking in at 14 years old into like we'll channel this into the performance somehow awkwardly whatever <laughs> to me was one of the most fun things ever I still will have that uh and yeah. it, it was it was amazing and then I just kept auditioning for shows at Central I uh and I would get I got a couple of leads, and then I decided the the last year in high school I was kicked out of all extracurricular activity, activities because we got caught drinking at the state mock trial trip, and I was involved with that. Oh, <laughs> mock yeah, trial! And, Those mock oh trial kids are crazy. They I are. Did for, they they really are. I'll speak for myself. I was a crazy one. And mock <laughs> trial was another outlet because I got to be. Uh, first, I got to be the bailiff, and then later on, I got to be a, a witness. Mickey Franklin, I still remember. It was like playing a character. Mickey Franklin, you get like the fact situation, you get his statement, you memorize it, and then you you do you recreate a mock trial. And then I got to be attorneys the last two years. 
But um, and then when I left to college, I I was a classic underachiever kid. I had a really good SAT score, so it was very clear that I was intelligent, proficient. But I I was uh, f off. I don't know if we can swear here, but I was like you I can. really like you I can just, always swear. I was a fuck off. You know, I loved partying <laughs> and I was irresponsible and cutting corners. Uh, and that's fine. That's a lot of high school kids. But I I didn't have. I had to get an Air Force ROTC scholarship to go to a decent university. So I did. I got an Air Force ROTC scholarship to go to Marquette University. I tried to major in theater. They were like, um, Cadet Lozano, we don't really have slots in theater in the Air Force. But no. the closest thing we can get you, I know. Maybe they, that's changed now, hopefully. They got me into broadcast electronic communication. And then and then I just wasn't right for, for the Air Force. <laughs> and then so I – but I, I was still at Marquette and I had – auditioned for theater the moment I got in there and I got into shows and I was able to switch my major to, to theater um, and just pick up a gigantic sum of student loans. But I stayed there because all my friends were there. And yeah, majored in theater and then went got my MFA, moved Marquette's to Marquette's the Tommy Boy School, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect party there's still a part. There's still a part in... I think there was when I left. When I graduated in 2001... Every time you walk down the hallway right next to the green room and you point up at the top of the ceiling, oh, there's the, the place where Chris Farley, he didn't get a roll and he lost his shit and he grabbed a bucket of paint and just threw it up against the ceiling. And oh, the- my God. Yeah, there's like – there's – Tangible physical evidence that lives inside there. That's Chris so Farley, great. which is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I love him. That's delightful. Oh, yeah. That's delightful. So those nerves that fuel you, and I think they fuel us all, and it feels really delicious. Like, what was your first experience of those sort of like, uh-oh, I was riding this horse perfectly, and now I'm falling out of the saddle, and what <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> I honestly, I remember... And I still sometimes can get this. It's different. But just thinking that I would be paralyzed, that like nothing would come out. What if like, I, what if I don't speak words? What if I, the actor's nightmare, what if I forget all my lines? What if I can't move? What if I'm just sweating on stage? What if, and that didn't happen. Um, but there was like, there's just like this sort of. I think it's easier to define now at 44 years old and having had life experience and my own experience. Like, I feel like there's some bridge, some channel, some like, like flux capacitor that can move that energy into the energy that I, that I want to emit. Not perfectly, not whatever, depending on if I'm having a good day or not. Sometimes that thing is blocked up or cleared. But, but I remember experiencing that early on, like, oh, nerves could translate into like like output but really output input if i'm listening which is important i didn't really understand <laughs> this in high school right of course. but into just sort of being present uh and that that for me that went sort of beyond the fantasy of being the star that went beyond the fantasy of like crying or having a rage on stage right. or whatever um that that to me on some level emotionally transcended and i really i i just i loved that i loved that like oh shit i might get really nervous but that might mean a better performance or maybe just um finding something new or wow really like uh coming to this sort of like just this chasm that feels like there's no way to like 
jump over, jump into it, but I know that I should, and just having trust and just saying fuck it and and running into the fire head first, like that was kind of cool. <laughs> That's the right way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then as I as I had told you before, you know, oddly enough, I came up against a very similar thing that Winnie came up against into this is just going to sound like I'm just let's just name drop but this is actually something that happened I had friends in the audience in 2006 I was doing Mother Courage uh, with Meryl Streep Kevin Klein Austin Pendleton mm -hmm. Otto Asando a lot of amazing oh. people oh my god there were so many Fred Weller just like endless endless people I it was just the craziest story right like I had done one thing in New York I had done New York classical theater which was great Mm -hmm. wonderful outdoor moving theater company um and then my agents were like hey we have an audition for you for the public for mother courage um go to this place blah, blah. i'm like sure whatever and i think i didn't even know that meryl streep was attached to it or something oh, and i God. went and auditioned and it was like i had to get seen for the the moderators that sort of then whatever decide what quantity of people will actually go to audition then for but then i got passed on right They're like okay you have another audition you're going to go audition for uh, Jordan and Heidi, who were the casting directors yeah. then, still are. Um, and I went, and I was like, oh, this is, it was like a callback, but it was really like a second initial audition. And then I had a callback right. with uh, Tony Kushner was in the room, and George C. Wolf mm. and, <gasps> and Janine Tesori. And I remember I was like, this is fucking crazy. This is, mm -hmm. But they also had me play guitar. So that was cool. And I was playing a lot of guitar then, and I was really, it was a very emotional time in my life. So I remember like, uh, they were like, do you want to play any song for us? And I play, I think I played something I'd written, and then I played a, a Tom Petty song, and I think I cried during both of them, and then I did this, the scene too. Um, and, and, I got, and I got into the show. I, it was actually benefiting me that I was – this is an, an important thing to mention, especially during these times. I was non-equity then. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gotten in if I was equity. They, had, they always, as is amazing with Shakespeare in the Park, there's like a non-equity ensemble. So I got in – as one of the non-equity ensemble oh, members, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Right. and and I had some speaking roles, and I and, and one role I had was the clerk, and I had a scene just me and Meryl Streep mm -hmm. that sort of introed and out outroed a, a larger scene between her and Otto Otto Asando, uh, the young man or the young yeah the young man, and and on our first night in front of a full house like like in front of a full delacord audience the first preview and this thing was out of control like it was already the first preview was like two hour long waits for the standby tickets because it was meryl streep on stage playing mother courage and mm -hmm. kevin klein and, and christopher walken had been in the show but he dropped out and kevin klein had replaced him so they had oh kept God. all the like highest star power and everything Juicy. and my scene you know follows it's the very next scene after they show Mother Courage, Meryl Streep, her dead son's body, Swiss cheese, and she has to act like she doesn't know him because if, if, if she breaks down, they're going to know that she is a Protestant, right? And that's what they're trying to prove. And so she's really emotional because uh, she's amazing at what she does. And she comes out on stage, and our scene is not like it's not an important scene, but it's sort of like an intro, and I go in there to sort of – cross-examine her for 30 seconds because she's in a prison cell and then and i come out and i say my lines and she looks up at me and there's nothing coming out of her mouth nothing <gasps> and there's tears running down her face from the previous scene 
And it hits me literally in that moment like – I mean I knew I had been acting with Meryl Streep and everything was like this Cloud Nine experience, Cloud and Kevin Klein and everything. But it literally on a, on a deeper like right. human cosmic level, I'm like, holy shit. I'm on stage with Meryl Streep right now in front of 1,600 people and oh my fucking god. I think she doesn't know her line. Like I'm, I could be wrong. It could be me. In fact, like I would think That's it has so to be scary. me. That's so scary. That's so scary when you're like, yeah. oh, oh shit. I, oh, I'm like, I you? think I said the line. I ha- I'm like, but but how? It can't be her. This is Meryl Streep, and right. I'm Paco Lozano. It would never and I'm not the, be her. But it's her. <laughs> but it's and her. I say and I say to her, I I improv. I say, what are you gonna do? You're just gonna stand there and cry. And she grabs me right here by the collar. We didn't have any anything planned physically. Right, in the scene. Right. Was of it? course. But she grabs me by the collar. It was safe. And she like garbles some gibberish because we're our characters at odds or at odds. Uh-huh. And and garbles some gibberish and and just stomps around the stage, and then kicks into the scene. And then oh, I'm like, that's the line, okay. And then I say my line, and we sort of oh. kick in, kick in, kick in. It continues. I walk off stage. This is like an island set, this one. So it was a jail cell. So like before the lights came up, I would have to get behind it because there was no if I exited off. And then I'm going to come back again. And Lewis, one of the technicians there, awesome guy who was still there, I think, five years ago when I was doing or seven years ago when I was doing much ado and I'd come back. He was like this. He had his hand on his face, like looking at me like, what the fuck is going on out there? Because he knew everybody knew. And I'm just and we have to be silent because the scene is going. Oh, my God. And I come back out. Finish the scene because um, I have a I outro the scene. It's right before intermission. I literally have the last line before intermission, and she finishes this amazing song, "The Great Capitulation," and I, my heart is like is just stomping, pounding. I'm I'm so sure I'm gonna get fired. Like I'm gonna get fired. Uh, something's and and Kevin Klein has run from backstage, and he we, we were friend, we had become friends actually. It was really great. And he said, what happened out there? And I'm like, she went up on her line. And he literally said, no, I know. I know that's what happened. He knew. I was like, oh. And he's like, did you show remorse? And I was like, so thrown by the question. I'm like, what? Like, did you show remorse? I'm like, no, I was a complete asshole. I improvised and said, what are you going to do? You're just going to stand there and cry? And he looked at me and said, great. I'm so glad. And he like walked away. And I I remember I was like, okay. What? If he's cool with this, I may not be losing my job today. I think I might be okay. <laughs> and then I'm going to get emotional here. The people were tending to Meryl because they knew, like, there had been a, a, a rupture in, like, her – not her memory. Like, she had gotten very emotional from the Swiss cheese scene, and it was the first mm-hmm. time in front of an audience. And so I was like, okay, she's right there. I'm going to go to my dressing room and not bug her. And she was like, Paco? Sorry, I'm going to get emotional. She said, come here. I'm like, oh, God. And she put her arms on me and she leaned in. She's like, I will never forget what you did out there. Thank you. And I was like, what? Um, and, uh, yeah, and I have this letter. My parents have this letter framed from her um, that has all the cast signatures. And, of course, I have this note memorized. I've read it a million times. It said, Paco, I will, uh, I will never forget what a prince you were the night that I lost it. Such a pleasure working with such a lovely friend. Good luck, love, and thanks, Meryl. Uh, wow. I, I stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I stay in touch with her. Um, oh you know, via email and stuff. And God, she's amazing. That's and every, every good rumor you hear about her is so true. Oh. Uh, long I mean, story, the fact but I think. Alone that she is from New Jersey is, is enough in my book, right? let alone oh. her lungs. Totally. 
<laughs> Paco, uh, were you were you in the Much Ado with Oliver Platt? No, not that one. No. That was uh, before. I was in the one with Hamish Linklater and uh, uh, Pedro Pascal, Brian oh, okay. Stokes Mitchell, Lily Robb. Right, um, right. That was a much more recent. The one I yeah. saw Much Ado, I guess, many more years earlier, that where somebody had a heart attack in the audience and they had to stop the oh. show. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Yeah, it was bonkers. But not to God, not to be a jerk, but funny, I'm friends with Oliver Platt. I just happened to know him through artists and he saw me in Much Ado and he came and talked to me after the show just for like a minute. He was really sweet. Aww. He's a really sweet guy. So you weren't yeah, much yeah. ado with Oliver Platt. <laughs> yeah, I mean Yeah. <laughs> you just I mean, were listen, both on stage. Together. I don't like that story, I tell that to like my close friends. I don't even know that I've ever shared that on social media. I love telling Thank it you when for it's appropriate. Sharing it. Oh, no, my I God. I, that's, I got I mean, full this, the theme here is like stuff like that, right? And that's a it's pretty so sweet, good and so story. beautiful. And to be acknowledged like that, uh, I mean, well, my God, from Meryl Streep, like, put on your hat, close the door, and go home because <laughs> this is just like, how could it get any better? But I like, mean, it's just, yeah. To be scooped up, literally, when I was so convinced, like, I'm going to lose. I'm going to, they're going to fire me. Uh, they're going to, and it's funny, uh, I love George C. Wolf. I'm not, this isn't to slam at all, but I remember he was, he's, he's a really interesting, different guy. He's sure. like, well, I would have preferred that you skipped ahead, but you know what? It worked out, blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of how he talks. And I remember I was like, okay, he's not crazy about the fact that I improvised, understandably, but he's also like, I understand, like, because I didn't know what to do. I didn't. And I couldn't in that moment think, well, what's my next line after? Sometimes I yeah, can do that. Some actors thing. can do that. Our right. brains work all differently. In that moment, I was just like, holy shit. Meryl doesn't know. Is this am I am I making up a story? Am I is this like reality? Am I in a dimension that actually exists? Like, what is happening right now? You know, um, anyway. God, that's it's not like, so wonderful. It's not like she didn't have her work done. She had her work done beautifully. It was just for sure. Of, of course, it's just it's just the moment. They just showed her her dead son's body, and she's really living through that as as a, an amazing, hardworking actor would do. And then this scene is ten seconds later. You know, right, right. That's amazing. I wonder what yeah. I wonder what Kevin Klein would have meant. What what it would have looked like if you had been remorseful like what exactly he, so did i became envision? friends with him throughout the wall he would have been pissed he would have been like <laughs> your character is not remorseful so why would you do that oh you know oh like if what you he meant was like did you show yeah did see, you show remorse because meryl forgot her line and i felt ashamed to tell him like no i was a complete dick because my character is a complete dick to her that's what he meant okay that's so yeah, good. Yeah, right, yeah. right. If you felt that compassion, you were like, oh, you're still mourning yeah, yeah. your son. Oh, Let are me you go okay? easy on you. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mm-hmm. see. I see. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> great. No, no, I was God, with I love team that. like, that's her son and she, and we need to prove this and we need to, to traumatize her until she admits that she's a Protestant. I was that team. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Wow. Holy yeah. crap. That's amazing. Celebrities, they're just like us. <laughs> For real. Right? Oh, God. Well, and I'll say about Meryl, I said earlier, it's like, I, the best way to describe her is any good rumor you hear about her is true. Any good rumor. It was just working with it was mm-hmm. incredible. If it was ever about the work, you could walk up to her and talk to her anytime. If it was ever about, like, you could talk to her about other stuff too, but she was always about the work, the work, like mm-hmm. the, the whole time in a joyful and crazy alive way. It was just mm. incredible. I mean, that's so good because otherwise it would be so bizarre that she's like esteemed as the greatest actress of our of our time here on Earth, which is, I think, (laughs) sort of how we universally see her. Um, (laughs) 
so yeah, yeah. That's, that's so how great. I see it. Oh my god. So like if you wish, we could absolutely talk about like continuing legends, but I think we also have some interest in like the bumpy like lower east side basement at 11 p.m. on a Tuesday. The like the first couple of janky jobs. Go ahead, Lillian. Oh, no, I just I have a specific question about something that was in the notes that you sent us. <laughs> Please. And I want to. Yes, let's go to this route. I would love to talk about it. Um, Funny you mentioned Lower East Side Basement, but we'll get to that in a second. Go oh, on. yeah. <laughs> perfect. Um, uh, being taken into the woods for a short film, quote unquote. And that's all I want to. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the prompt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, uh, um, I agreed. Uh, through a mutual acquaintance, I agreed to help them out to shoot a scene and then maybe get some footage for myself because I hadn't done any TV or film yet. I hadn't done – no, I hadn't done anything, I don't think. Maybe I'd done The Good Wife in 2013. And it turned into like, hey, we're making this short film. Oh, so you Great. were already established at the no, point I, of this story. Well, no. I mean, I had done – it's weird. So I have a, a really – really bizarre journey i come from grad school i do mother courage and mother courage and then i stop acting after mother courage oh. um for four years i my my life totally fell apart um and it needed to fall apart because a enormous thing had to happen i had to stop drinking and using drugs um and i was doing that until it just was so painful that i knew that oh that this is not the life i'm meant to be living and i stopped in 2008 and thanks to, like, so many amazing humans and angels in my life that helped me sort of come into this whole other life that I have now. And then in 2010, speaking of janky Lower East Side basements, uh, the Gene Frankel Theater basement, I would say that's almost not, not janky, but that's where I started acting again at sure. the sh- 2009, actually, 2000, no, 2010. At the shelter, which is my beloved, uh, I met sometimes you so theater shortly company. after that, didn't I? I think so. When was How to Make Friends and Kill Them? That what was 2013, was but I could have sworn no. that I met you through Dallas Travers before that. Was it before? Did that? we meet before that? Maybe we did. I, I feel like it was close to there, but yeah, possibly yes. And um, but I, you know, I since I didn't have my old tools of like easing ugh, the discomfort. I was really scared in a new way to like start acting again, but I also missed it so much that it hurt. And then my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, Macon, who is a lovely, super talented artist and playwright and also a, an amazing dietitian. Um, she and my, my dear friend Michael were part of this theater company, The Shelter. And they would just meet on Sunday nights and read people's pages. That's what it was then. That's still mm. what it is. People would write new works, usually for the stage. Sometimes people would bring in monologues or auditions, and actors would read them. And I had expressed an interest to start acting again. And I remember I was like, oh, I did this. I did go and take an Austin Pendleton class because we were friends through Mother Courage. And that felt really warm and good. Let me just go take a scene study class. So I did that that year and then started going to the Shelter Sundays were at the Gene Frankel basement in 2010. And those things all sort of led to the next phase of my life, which was, I wasn't established yet. It was like, let me see if my agent will take me back. And if he, if he doesn't, how will I get new reps? And he did. And let's start auditioning. Um, and I didn't really land anything substantial as maybe some people see it until 2013 when I got the good wife. And then 2014, I got to 
go back to the stage at Delacour, uh, thanks to Dallas Travers. You, I think you may know that story. I was like, she was like, why don't, don't you just write them a letter? Yeah. Oh my God! Please tell that story because oh, it's I was so far like, back in my memory. I remember. I think I was taking her coaching class, and she was like, "It was some part where she was talking about what's a dream that you have." What's and one of mine was like, "I'd love to be back on stage at the Delacorte." And I think she just suggested, "Oh, why don't you? Do you know the casting?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's Heidi and Jordan." She's like, "Why don't you reach out to them?" And of course, I'm. Mean, what, what do you mean, reach out to them? Right, right, right. And right. I was, and then I was like, "Oh wait." I think she just means reach out to them. What a fascinating, revolutionary concept. <laughs> That's why Dallas is amazing. God. And it was so appropriate. And I did. I reached out to them. And I was just, I, I, with Dallas's help, I was able to craft, like, you know, that letter. Like, hey, here's what I've been doing. I did have a break. Um, I'm back at it. I, if there's something you think I might be right for, I would love to be considered and get seen. Really, not that that the better route for me of of like not like I would love to be in a show like I'd love a chance to audition for something I might be right for something like that mm-hmm. right Dallas talked about that a lot like let's get back from the knee jerk of like how do I get on a thing no no how do I get in the room we just want to be in the room and considered for stuff and 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 that was in January of that was December January of 2013 to 2014 and then like May my agent was like hey the public wants to see you for much ado about nothing and same thing this time i went not the initial thing but i went to go see them and i had a call back and it was set in sicily in 1906 or 1903 and they created an entire role uh uh alfredo there was i had all this italian um uh what do you call it uh improvisation and Mm -hmm. italian dialogue i I remember i wrote down i had like 37 entrances and exits because i was (laughs) the chef of the Sicilian household in Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, my God. And Hamish helped me establish bits. It was really fun. Um, mm. Yeah, so that, that I would say that that's when I had sort of like, okay, I'm, I'm not just with recognizable people yes. in this whole new different lifetime, and this is awesome. And then the thing in the woods Brilliant. happened, I think, shortly after that. So, <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. So uh, please, this person... <laughs> asks me to help them uh, film a scene. I'm like, okay, let's go film a scene. Perfect. Um, And maybe I can get, like, no pay, but of course I'm happy to help out. And this person had taken Dallas Traver's class. Um, And then I'm saying this person. I'm so afraid to like that. I'm actually going to say a name because I don't want to, obviously. But this is more in in fun. Um, Then we filmed the scene and then the person was like hey we filmed this movie do you this we've uh, we're making this short film it's not completed but we kind of are going to know where it's going as we shoot it i'm like okay and and like we think you're right for this role and it was it was a lot of it was really weird like it was like everything was improv (laughs) it was like you're playing a criminal Mm. who's it was for a good cause the film and i'm and i'm for sure what they were trying to do but it was weird we didn't know until the day of that they were taking us to like an hour and a half north of the city. And then I was like, I do have to be back by a certain time. They're like, oh, we don't know if we're going to get you back. I'm like, okay. And then I was like, I was, I was a SAG must join. (laughs) And then if anybody who knows, that means that the next thing you do is going to cost you a lot of money when you join. And I, I remember I had (laughs) communicated that to the person. Like, I just want to be clear. I can't afford to join SAG, especially if this doesn't pay anything. And they were like, oh, we cleared it with SAG. That ended up being not true. I found out after that I did have to join, and it's <gasps> fine. It was all a bus in disguise. Uh, 
there there were no proper meals yeah. out there. It was like we were, and I'm not. Listen, I mental illness is something that's very close to me. I, I have my own version of it. But we we ended up in a house of hoarders, like legitimate hoarders, because it was like one of the creatives. Yeah. So it was yeah. just like all these situations that were like, uh, we didn't plan for this, and everybody else was feeling weird. But then some people were right. like, this is exciting. And sure, I could see some version of myself like, this is exciting. But it was also like a lesson learned. I've heard so many horror stories. That's my son who's just woken up from his nap. And wow, his transition out of That's his nap okay. is, is, is really hard. Um, and uh, I, oh I my relate gosh. to that. Oh, I have existential. <laughs> when I nap really long, I wake up and there's like existential stuff going on. But I have it some other times too. Absolutely. No, but it was just, um, <laughs> it was really weird. It was a really weird, weird thing. It did, I will say this, it gave me an opportunity. This is, I say this like, because to speak up later on and let this person know that that just wasn't cool. And and to ask, yeah, Good for you. I asked for payment, never got it. That's okay. Um, yeah, what ask happened was they were like, one. they basically turned it into, I'm totally against this. I'm all for online social media campaigns and promoting them but they turned it into hey if you guys promote this and get the money for us then we can pay you which is a, i think that's a horrible oh, thing no. to tell anybody like basically like we will pay you if and when you raise oh, all the money for the project that's already what a deferred oh, contract man. is it was i mean listen <laughs> deferred payment is deferred payment i understand that but that there were so many messy right. things about this and it was like yeah it taught me to like ask for oh. clarity up front you know every now and then people reach out and i get it we i think we need to reach out we, we don't have money to do stuff i'm a big fan of like if you're going to reach out to artists that you don't know that aren't friends and ask them to do something formal and you don't have something to pay that's okay but you should mention that in your initial reach out You're like hey just so you know we don't unfortunately have compensation mm -hmm. we do know your time is valuable like i think that's the way to reach out to artists right. that you don't know for sure so it's given me right. the opportunity to like when people reach out, I'm like, oh, just curious. What's the compensation in a nice way if like or whatever? Well you know? done. And if there's not, there's not. And then we can make decisions. Some people can. Some people can't. Anyway, um, it's a crazy yeah. world. I think that you handled that very well. But Lord. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> figuring out that that's the situation once you're already in it. Yeah, it's weird. It was weird. Which we can it, definitely relate to. In the to. woods. In not being able to walk through this it was that was weird i mean it was never like unsafe like my but it was like this is just weird and dark and bizarre and we've been misled and what's happening and yeah. do you remember where in new york i don't remember i'm sure i could look at my it was it was a fight it was like it was a far drive and then also they made us take like i live in williamsburg like yeah just take the one all the way up to like 181st Street, a car will be there. I'm like, a car? Where are we oh. shooting? It's like, well, we've decided that we have to go to this person's place, parents' right. place. To, I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway. Oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> those parents were probably like, oh, you're just coming over to shoot a movie in our house that you know we haven't cleaned? Thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah, there, uh -huh. were, they were, there was also weirdness there. It was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, it <laughs> oh, was a lot. There's probably there's like some. On the back end. There's got to be some script here, right? Like mm -hmm. something. Ab oh, absolutely. <laughs> Use it all. <laughs> yeah. So Use anyway. Use it all. But yeah. Oh. <laughs> How um, about um? No, go ahead, Lily. Oh no, no, just thank you for that. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna the, be haunted by it for quite. You're some time. welcome. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> you might, 
Um, how about how about your experience with the blue room? What was oh, what was the story around that? I let you know about that. I am I'm a late bloomer. That's a really important thing. I'm an oddball late bloomer type dude. Um, and like, you know, I don't say this to like be, say this with as much care around sexuality and everything. I didn't lose my virginity until I was, uh, mid twenties. So then I'm doing this show in grad school. I'd had encounters and girlfriends and stuff, but I just, I'm a late bloomer. I wanted to protect that for myself. And I'm glad that I did. Uh, my first time ended up being really special, um, because of that. But we were doing the show, the blue room where I play the playwright. And it's two really provocative sexual encounters on stage. Um, and it was like, it was both uncomfortable and nerve-wracking and really beautiful. And both of my co-actors, female actors, were amazing, amazing. And we had a really awesome, intense Meisner director that was amazing. But the whole situation was intense. This is like 22, 23-year-old Paco, who's, a, oh. you know, going on 17 on yeah. so many ways, <laughs> doing these crazy scenes on stage. It was fun. I, for me, it was fun. And I also am very grateful that I can say I felt really, really taken care of by my... I, a lot of actors can't say that, right? And I, and I imagine even especially females and women and female presenting and cannot say it the way that I can as a man. I, I, I absolutely know I have that privilege because, but these two women were amazing. Um, and that made that especially that experience, even though I didn't have a lot of experience, it made that experience really special and really cool. And my family teased me about it in a fun way and whatever. Cause like I had a guitar on stage and I was practically naked, like literally practically naked, like just boxers and even at one point, we were maybe going to be totally naked under the sheets, but we were like, can we not? And, and, and they were like, yeah, that's fine if not. But the reality of doing at least like, you know, you are, so you're going to have to, you know, really put on your boxers, whatever that looks like mm. if you're not, you know mm. what I mean? So, yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience to have. And I'm really grateful for it. Uh, that was like empowering in a lot of ways. Um, and I think about now, like, at 44 years old, wow, like what, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm grateful that I I was able to feel, even in this awkward, uh, unblossomed version of myself, but blossomed in other ways, <laughs> sort of like taken care of in a really cool yeah. way, you know? I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an odd bird. I'm a, I'm a super highly sensitive, highly emotional, in many ways, not just like emotional, like I, there's, I'm, um, my gym wise, I mean, I am primary colors. Like my emotions are primary colors. Jim wise said that my, one of my mentors, amazing acting teacher, he didn't direct the blue room, but he said that you and your family are primary colors. You know, when you're angry, you know, when you're happy, you know, when you're sad, you know, and that's, that's me mm-hmm. for sure. That's one version of me, primary colors, you know? God, that's great. Yeah. That we need more people like that. We definitely need more people who are very aware of what they're feeling and okay with it. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was uh what was the silliest razzing that you got from your family after seeing that show? I it, one of them was like, "Thank God the guitar was there to uh to block a piece of Paco cuz like, <laughs> it was I remember somebody said that cuz like I was practically naked on stage, like practically. Sure. And I remember 
I just, man, I hope this isn't, this might be inappropriate to say. I remember thinking, like, this is going to be challenging because the women I'm acting with are genuinely attractive. And, like, sure. I'm supposed to stand up in my boxers. And I remember telling the director, like, you get where I'm going, right? And he's miser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yes. then if that happens, amazing. Because it's All the right. reality. He was probably looking oh, forward to the Yeah, in a really, I, I really say this, not in a way, that's not, not that was not like, that I, he wasn't demeaning or he wasn't harmful. He was like, that's the reality. Right. Then we know right. you're really going through it. And I'm, okay. Right. All mm. right. <laughs> and then they say it's like, oh, it's like sneezing. You're never going to sneeze on stage. And Untrue. I did not have that experience. <laughs> I did, I'll just say that. That is not my experience. With I, mean, I don't think God. that those two things have anything to do with each other. They really don't. <laughs> they really don't. Well, no. That's a real don't. false parallel. I um, I think that like the blessing of on camera is uh, God bless a modesty barrier, a stack of towels between pelvi. Because <laughs> that just like that takes it out of consideration. And like you can always frame it. But if you're on stage, like your body is just right. There. Oh, my God. Yeah. And like, I just think all humans were just all. We all have different needs and we all have different levels of like, there was definitely something beautifully uninhibited about doing that and empowering for my own personal sort of, I didn't know it at the time, body image and love of my body or lack thereof at the time. But I, I guess when I say is my 44 year old self, now I wonder, wow, what would an experience like that be to have now? That would be really That'd be amazing. And it would be scary, too. Scary. Sure, of course. Of course. And probably just as healing and catalytic in, like, your own blossoming and, like, a whole new level of of body love. Yeah. All of the things that we get baked into us for, you know, getting older and having children and looking different. Totally. Totally. I would hope so. And I I, I agree with that. (laughs) Um, So I have, you know, it's interesting. And it's funny, this world we're living in right now, like, God, I'm, everything I've auditioned for, well, except for one thing, but the other 150, literally, I think almost in the last 18 months, it's like all self-tapes at home, self because that's the world we're living in, because yeah. of the pandemic, understandably. But I remember one, so this was from other lifetime, but here in New York, 2005 or something, going in and auditioning for a thing being well prepared because that was Paco then but being I thought prepared enough and I did the audition and the casting director was it the casting director I think it, I actually think it was the director of the show mm-hmm. I think it was it he looked at me he's like let me ask you something I'm like yeah he was angry he's like did you even read the script <gasps> I was like oh uh, and I didn't say like it wasn't like a no I was like I didn't read the whole thing I didn't say it like that, but I read, <laughs> I thought I got the gist and clearly I didn't. What do you want me to say? I don't know. And he was like, that's, this is just a different than what you're doing. So if you want to do it again, this is what the script is. And of course I was like, okay, so should I do it again or should I just leave? Cause I, it feels like I should just leave. Right. I wow. Feel like Sounds like you're you mad. me to get out of this room. <laughs> like, can you just tell me it. like it's on to the next? I don't, I'd rather hear that than sit here in all this awkward anger of you asking me, did you read the script? And which is so inconsiderate, especially when like, okay, you buddy, do you realize I wasn't there yet that some actors are getting two to three auditions a day. Who's reading? I'm not getting two to three. I mean, I'm getting a lot of auditions right now. I'm getting on average one a day almost, which is great. 
Um, but I'm just, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. You're not reading this every This is script. like, what? Come what on. do you mean, who's reading every, what is this? What kind of a question? But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was angry. Holy um, And then I remember there was, <laughs> God. That's not setting yourself up for success as a as a person no. who's going to be talking to a, a bunch of other actors who also haven't read the script. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, no. God, especially when the script is bad. Yeah. Oh, I remember one. I uh, went in an audition for the role of Caliban uh, in The Tempest. Mm-hmm. And I chose, I don't know why I chose this, to do this over the top, over the top physicalization and voice and one of the moderators was one of my classmates from Oslo, A-S-O-L-O I say I always spell it out because it sounds like Oslo, Norway Florida State University, Oslo Conservatory and I did it and I knew, I knew it was a terrible audition this is last lifetime too knew it was terrible and he looked at me and was like thank you, like the cringe thank you, like really couldn't help but it was like the cringiest thank you and almost just did like one of these i'm I'm sort of fluttering my hand like please 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 let your presence be gone like just shuffle off that's what it felt like you know if you actually did but it felt like thank you like out out the door (laughs) with you (laughs) they lie to us when they say as long as you make a strong choice (laughs) yeah oh my god that's such a lie that's such a lie i agree sometimes yes it's, it's absolutely called for to just but no, no, it's <laughs> it's a complicated thing. But yeah, that was. Uh, but I've had a lot of I've had I've had good audition experience too. Oh, this is a fun one. I remember this. <laughs> I went prepared this audition really well. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, I did it. Casting director, I was meeting for the first time. HBO casting director. I end the scene. She looks at me. She said, "The perfect audition. Congratulations. Thank you very much." Literally the first thing I thought, yeah, that's the kiss of death. I'm never hearing back from this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's true, but I'm, she meant it, and I didn't hear back. Mm-hmm. But I'm mm-hmm. like, what who says that? The perfect audition. I've never, come on, what is that? <laughs> the, the perfect, perfect audition. audition. Congratulations. Like, wow. Are you about to quit? That, and, like, I'd rather hear you say, I'm giving you the job right now. Here's the contract. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But the, the perfect audition, what is that? That's very anyway. strange. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but she was sweet. She meant it. It wasn't. Way. I guess it would have been sure. even worse. It was sarcastic. I, yeah, the perfect yeah. audition. No, I mean I it's know. nice to know that you were uh, that you did a good that job. That I was perfect. That I again, couldn't have done better. So, like, I, I want to share that's... cringe into what was a yes. great moment for me, and I think I'm not going to mention the casting director. They're wonderful. Uh, this casting director. I had a recurring. So I had just started. I was back. 2010 as an actor. In 2011, I had a, a recurring role for an HBO TV show. And I, but I didn't think much of it. I just didn't think. I was like, okay, let me prep it pretty simple. I actually, I don't even think I knew. I Believe it or not, I didn't know what recurring meant. Now we all know, okay, recurring sure. is a big deal. Whatever, anything's a big deal. But I remember I went and auditioned. And I was sort of like out of my own way, which for me is the best place to be. Like I was open. Really through not... It was just like one of those. I, 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 this is. It's important I say this. I was not ready at the time. Uh, Marcy Phillips talks about that. We're sometimes not ready. Where I was not ready. I was not ready. Mm. I, I this today in in my life. I know I am ready to work at a certain level. That doesn't guarantee right. anything. But I I wasn't ready then, and I didn't know that. But Sorry. I had this really good initial audition. Uh, casting director was like, "Great, really good. Nice to meet you, Paco." 
Walked out. My agent emails me um, hours later. Hey, you have a call back in a producer session for this role. Remember, it's recurring, so you would be in multiple episodes, blah, blah, blah. Congratulations. And I was like, then I was like, oh, oh. Oh, oh and no. I, and I did all the stuff that for me is a terrible idea. I went into ultra hyper like, oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell everybody I got a call. Oh, my God. Oh, tell my girlfriend. Like, And by the time I walked in on the Monday morning, I remember it was a very cold February Monday morning. I was in a state of amped up sort of self-centered terror. I wasn't even like... <laughs> I was so not in the channel that I'd been on the week before. Uh. I was just, I, w I wasn't ready to work at this level. And um, I went in and the cast director was like, hey, Paco, do the thing you did again. He had the director with him, the producers. Uh, let's just see your audition again. And I read the lines. And he literally said, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, just do the thing you did last Friday in my office. And I remember I was taken back by the whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very funny. Oh, and he, because he was literally like, whoa, like, what <laughs> happened between no last actor Thursday ever and wants to hear whoa. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And I tried again. Like, I tried again. Well, let me do the thing I did last Thursday. Like, literally, trying. That never works well for me. Let me try. Um, as opposed to just be. And, and I'll never forget. He looked, he was really disappointed. He was like, thanks. Thank you. Oh. And I didn't get called in back to that casting office for many. That was 2000. I looked at, I still, I save all my emails. I'm like a, a nightmare for those who, and I didn't hear back, right? I didn't hear back for many years, many years. And then like after Dallas Travers, after, after a lot of things and after sure. uh, having Building experiences resume. that like Brian Cranston talks about and just feeling this earth and ground beneath me and really feeling like, oh, you know what? I got, I, I got, I have talent to share and I'm unafraid to share it. And I'm not going to push too much. But whenever I'm invited, unapologetically, here it is. And if you want to pick me, great. And if not, that's like the ideal place. I'm not always there. But I remember thinking mm. I would love to get seen by this casting office again. So I wrote my agent like this was because of Dallas. Hey, Francis, do you think we could ever get back to such and such office? You know, I had this horrible experience. I, I, I don't know if I told you, blah, blah, blah. I really bombed the callback. Uh, that's a nice tender way of saying <laughs> and he said to me, Francis said, you'll get seen again. Don't worry. And then like a year later, that office finally got me back in for a recurring, a major recurring role in um, uh, another HBO show. And I prepped it. I prepped it. I prepped it. I prepped it. And I, I felt some nerves. I felt a little bit of that old stuff. But I also felt you got this, dude. You've prepped this. Let it go. Just walk in there. Don't worry about – you don't have to say anything about last time. You don't have to worry about anything. Same exact casting director. I had this sort of channel of, like, emotions when I walked in, but it was really good. It was similar to the stuff we were talking about earlier. And and I nailed it for myself. Like, I, like I had a really – it was really, like – and I'll never forget. He was like, that was great, Paco. It's like, that was that was yes. great job. And, you know, I didn't get that role, but – that casting office oh, brings me back yay. in regularly. Regular, I had I had a producer. You know, it's so competitive. Right. Recently, I had a producer session that were like, "You're holding this for that," and I, I didn't get it, and that was hard. But that was nice. That was like so. Like that's like a word to like, man. You bomb an audition in the worst way possible. You don't know what that might mean for your future self down the line if you can maybe sit with that horrible shame, pain, discomfort, and let that <laughs> manifest into something else, grow into something else. You know. 
Right. I said the word manifest and just to say I'm really proud that my funny enough, my first recurring role finally happened after two that could have happened. I tell you. Yeah, I got to be, I might get to be on season four. I haven't found out yet, but I'm I'm on manifest season three as a recurring. That's pretty awesome. You know. I was talking about you because I'm working on a show right now that uh, also at Silver Cup. Oh, and when I went point. up to the floor, I turned just and started. I saw the big manifest room. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, Paco, it's coming back. Yeah. Maybe Paco will be on it again. And I, um, somebody came out, maybe, uh, maybe like a production coordinator. I was like, oh, my friend Paco was on this show. Do you know if he's coming back? And she was like, I don't know, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Oh. So. I don't know either. And I just tell people real simply, of course, I want to come back. And I don't know. And definitely like the best outcome possible is for Jeff Rake and the writers to achieve their vision. Because what they've been through, it got canceled, and then they put it on Netflix, and it broke, shattered all these records. And then Netflix, wow. Netflix wow. literally, and then Netflix saved it, rightfully so. And they have, so the writers get to achieve their vision. If I'm part of that, it will be amazing. And if I'm not, I will forever be sure. grateful to have played Dr. Bustamante. Yep, and three episodes of season three. And if there's more in season four, amazing. And if there's not, sure, it'll wow. be hard. But I will literally forever be grateful, you know, because um, yes. it's been, as you know, Jen, and, and in any profession, it has been the long road here, the long, winding, crazy yeah. road that here, like, man, it's it been crazy. Is. It is. Yay. Oh, my that. gosh. This has been fantastic. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Paco. Both. You are just always <laughs> such a beautiful light. Um, talking about like people who just make you happy that the internet exists. Uh, you guys have heard Trish Alexandro and who played think- Mike? Did she tell you? <laughs> yes, Can I share she this did. real quick? I got Please. cast in season two of Bridge and Tunnel at Burns Show, and then Trisha shared because we're not really <laughs> try not to disclose. She's like, man, I got this two episode arc. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And she shared the details that it was a Zoom callback. And I was at Coney Island with my wife and son. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking A, I think we're, I think I'm playing her husband. Yes. I think she booked. I know. I think she did. And uh-huh. I texted her, hey, did you book Bridge and Tunnel? She's like, how did you know? I'm like, we're going to be playing opposite each other. we're going to be married. It's amazing. Ah. It amazing. <laughs> yeah. So great. I mean, both of you are truly some of the loveliest. I love her. Most brilliant, beautiful lights that I have had the pleasure Aww. of knowing. And just the way that you both show up in person, you know, seeing your face, hearing you talk in person or not, <laughs> as well as in text on these places that are otherwise just like vast tumbleweed laden Mark Zuckerberg uh, uh Badlands. Um, <laughs> it, it just, it always, it truly always warms my heart. And y- you're just lovely. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Lillian. It's a really, it's a crazy time right now. It's an honor to be here. I, uh, yeah, the last three months in particular, I'm like, wow, this is, anyways, it's, it's a really beautiful time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm very grateful. We are so, so, so happy to have you. Um, so you've got Bridge and Tunnel coming out later this winter, right? Yeah, and then I just shot, two weeks ago, I shot a movie called Spoiler Alert with uh, Sally Field, uh, Jim uh, uh, Ben Aldrich, Jim Parsons. It's, mm. uh, yeah, I played, like, I have a substantial scene at, at a pivotal moment towards the end. That was just, like, kind of came out of nowhere. And yes. Yes. 
I got stuff for 2022. It's always nice as an actor when you have stuff to look forward to. Heck mm-hmm. yeah. A thousand percent. Well, I'm so, so happy that you're keeping busy in every possible way. I'm so, I, I'm always very excited to see you flourish. And um, Thespians, we will have Paco's socials available in the show notes so that you can follow him. You can keep up on what's premiering when. Keep your eyes peeled for Bridge and Tunnel coming out this winter. Season four of Manifest coming TBD. And um, spoiler alert, probably releasing sometime next year, I guess. Probably, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. Y'all are so lovely. Oh, you, we just adore you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, thespians, for listening. If you have stories and you would like to share them with us, please do reach out to dreadingtheboards at gmail.com or you can contact Lillian or I individually or at our socials. We want to hear from you. Yes, we sure do. And until then, uh, just do what you did last time. 